Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. Du hast Werbung auch für, 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 für Ozone. Ozone, Hochschule Chiemsee und alles. Und Thorsten am Ende hat gesagt, I have never spoken so long in my whole life. Never. <lacht> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to talk with Thorsten a long time. But uh, yeah, he's more open now. <lacht> with, the, with the two Charles from him, he's, he's more open and he's more... Uh, more It's more coming down, calm, and, and uh, yeah, it's really positive. That's really nice that you say that. And in fact, that will be the opening of our podcast because your first words in English are good ones. You talk about Torsten Siegel. You're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Super to have you on the line. We are doing a podcast all the way from Münster in Germany. Pepe yesterday was on his way to fetch his beautiful 1190 Ducati motorcycle, which he sent me some pictures from, 200 horsepower. One of the podcasts I'm going to do in the near future, Andreas, is about motorcycling and why we ride bikes and why people are passionate. I'm sure you remember Robbie Whittle. Maybe you remember his name. Robbie Whittle is now riding the Isle of Man TT. And he is a guy who has been in the early days of paragliding, really a legend. Do you remember the name Robbie Whittle with hang gliding? Uh, and yes, one, of, one of my favorite when I was uh, not young, but I was young in the, in the in, in flying area. And uh, it was a really uh, big name from in the, in the beginning of paragliding. He was one of the famous guys ever. And he is even impressing me more because we don't all have to love speed. But if we race in paragliding, we must like some kind of a race. We want to go fast. Uh, Robbie Whittle today is riding the Isle of Man TT. Do you know what this is? This is for geistig behinderte yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a uh, absolutely crazy motorbike uh, race. And uh, I see this sometimes in the video and I think all the time, oh, five and then they're racing till to the to the death, uh, to the to the to the really, really bad moment. <laughs> and all the time when I see this, I think, no, that that's not that's too, too much, really too much. <laughs> I like racing with my motorbike, but not like racing till to the end of my life <laughs> of course i love my life yeah we love our lives that's why we paraglide because it makes us feel real pepe you have your own website it's such a nice website it's pepemaleki.de and i'm so proud to be when you click on the picture there i am also in your pictures i'm very honored that uh, you had the first place just the first place in december in portable Uh, you started paragliding in 1989 when you were 29 years old. So you're 11 years older than me. We know each other pretty well because in December we made a course together here. One week before the uh, the PWC, the pre-PWC here in Portable in South Africa, uh, we made a course which is furthering people's cross-country uh, upcoming pilots. Anyone who has just learned to thermal could learn. Anyone who is keen to 
further their competition, and we had a beautiful week together. Welcome to the podcast, Pepe. It's absolutely great to have you here. You have been world champion in 2011, 2012. You've been on the world's team in 2015. You've been three times German champion. You are an exceptional pilot. Everybody's really, really respectful of you when you are in a competition, as you proved in December when you won the competition. You keep a beautiful blog on your website, which is really commendable and really nice. Team pilot for uh, Ozone, you are always smiling. You're a young man. You're a really young man in your heart. You don't come across at all, Pepe, as, a, as an older guy. You come across as an absolutely super young-spirited guy. Firstly, how are you in Münster? And what drives you? What are your philosophies in your life? What is it that makes you smiling all the time? You're... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling about myself. When I make a mistake, and we all do a lot of mistakes in our life in day by day, I can laugh about me when I make a mistake and I have a, I have a story. The weather was bad. It was maybe 30 years ago and uh, I go in the kitchen and I make a zwiebel soup, uh, onion soup in my microwave, uh, put it, put out the plate when the, when the soup was hot and I go with the soup from one side to the kitchen to the next side to the kitchen. My, my, my plate was a little bit shaking and I put a little bit on the, on the floor. And I put down the sh my my soap, and I, I clean the the floor. Then I put the soap and want to go out in the living room to eat my soap. And I go really fast out from the kitchen with my soap, and then my bathrobe has a big uh, I don't know the name for for yeah. And I, I I hang in the in the in the opener from the door, and was going meters into the next wall. Of, of, the, of the living room and the whole zoo mm. from the wall down running around around and I was loving so much and half an hour later I, I cleaned my whole room room and, and uh, so loving and uh, that's that's so nice I, I I'm not angry with me I, I love about me that's so so important for my life uh, the life is too short to be angry and uh, for me it's all the time. We have a situation, and uh, the when when we when two people look at the weather forecast, yeah, the other said, "Oh, it's too windy. It's not enough sun." And and I think all the time, "Oh, the wind is not too strong, and three hours of sun is better than no sun." Yeah, I see all the time a really optimistic part in this weather forecast or in some situation and. And you can see all the time this situation from two sides, really negative or really positive. And for me, it's really important to see all the situation in a really positive style. And it makes you more friendly. It's, you are more open and then you go more out because uh, the weather is not too bad for going out. It's really good to going out or not really good, but, but better than other say, uh, people think yeah and that's how the whole life I see more the optimistic part yeah, as you can see it negative opt or positive and I see my life really positive and when it's not really positive change a little bit in your life yeah that's really important <laughs> ah. 
It's fantastic. It's it's really, really nice. And you look at it like that. I think about a podcast from a few days ago when I was talking about traveling in Norway and about Norway and the country. And I could have, every time it was drizzling or raining, which it does a lot in Norway, I could go, ah, shit, it's raining. It's shitty weather. Or I can say, oh, great. I have a chance to go in my car and read a book or look at a film on my tablet. And when it's not raining, then I am very positive. And I'm always positive about the weather. It doesn't matter what the weather is doing because, okay, it might be a weekend that you think, oh, great, on Tuesday, the prediction's looking really good. By Friday afternoon, the prediction for Saturday and Sunday is both days very windy and three hours of sun. And then you think, cool, I can do other things. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think all the time this, uh, this way, uh, and uh, it, it gives you sometimes a little bit more. It's it's not some some a lot of people are really negative. And, uh, for me, when the people is too much negative, I go a little bit on distance to the people oh, because sometimes uh, the negative part of the people can swap over you. Yeah, and it's really important to to take few peoples around yourself. They are more positive than negative. That's really also important. Yeah, you're completely right. Uh, it took me many many years actually realize one of the very old cliches of the world is keep people around you that are stimulating you and keep people around you that are cleverer than you and that people that you can learn something from. Or, for example, you and I, Pepe, from when we met and from last year in Slovenia when we proposed the idea of the tour and talked about it, everything was a positive and there was a click. If two meet, people meet, either as friends or sexually, it doesn't matter what level, They meet each other and then they say, cool, this is my kind of person. And it doesn't matter if you were a stranger one week before or you are friends from 50 years ago. I look at guys who hung on in my life and who are always negative, always pulling down. The atmosphere, the stimmung was always negative. It took me a long time to cut such people out of my life. And how do you cut such people out of your life? Very simply, just have less and less contact with them. Don't always answer. And, exactly, you know, yes. So you have given the people when we did a tour together in December such lots of nice information and really top tips. You were coming out on the field to guys who had not such good ground handling. You were really doing it yourself and even climbing into their harness and showing them. Not a lot of top pilots in the world are doing this kind of stuff. So I say, well done, uh, Pepe. It's really nice to see a guy who's high up there who can bring himself right down to the level of even a student-style person who is really needing back to basics. But I would like to hear your top, top most important tips that you want to give anybody. Uh, I think the most important is also the, the good pilots. They make some things in a different way than the other top pilot. They are not all doing the same. We have a lot of top pilots that don't know the, the weather good. Uh, we have good pilots that have really a bad ground handling. They, we have also top pilots that are not yeah, in a way of, of waiting to, 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 to wait of a good moment to go for good valley crossing or whatever. Uh, we, have, we are all uh, different. And I, I think it's so, so important to speak with a lot of good people, listen and, 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 and suck them out for yourself, what, you is, what is good for yourself. It's so important never to stop learning. Uh, for me, it's really important when I fly 10 years and I have some people that was really good. 
around me. And they said, oh, I'm a good pilot. And when you say to yourself, you are a good pilot, then you think you're a good pilot and you, you stop learning. And I say it all the time to myself. I fly now since 31, 32 years. And I never say to myself, I'm a good pilot. I say all the time to myself, I'm a pilot. Yes, I have this niveau, but I can learn so much more. And I'm so open to learn something new. And I listen also pilots, they are flying five years, seven years, but they know something more and better than me. <clears throat> and they're listening. Yeah, I can learn from, from a pilot who's flying only three years. Yeah, he makes something what I never do. And uh, it's so important, learn from everybody. Learn from, from, from a sail plane pilot. Learn from, from a pilot who make around the world with a sailboat. You can learn from them all, what the wind is doing. And uh, it's really important, never, never stop learning. You told Anthony on the takeoff side some very secret thing in the air. And suddenly you said, watch out, Anthony is going to fly much, much better. Anthony being one of the participants in our tour in December from the USA. What was that yeah. secret you told him? One thing from top landing, and uh, I tell him also some, he's, he's flying really often this style. He was flying really low, he was flying really, really fast by the, by the rocks, and he was flying all the time really, sometimes for my style, a little bit too much in the lee side. But he found also really good lines. I told him he need to make more a break that he's flying a little bit slower and to find um, maybe a little bit better lines and more loof side, more to the loof side. And after this week, I can see it's flying much better. He was really also looking more to the, to the, to the uh, mountains, more outside. And in Porterville or uh, around this area, you, you find also really good lines by the mountains, but also really, really nice lines outside, more outside. And that's also be open to, to, to see something new for yourself. That the day is like the day before. Sometimes it's more outside. Sometimes it's more by the mountain. And, and sometimes the weather is giving you bigger cloud base. And then the thermic is a little bit more, more far away from the, from the next thermic. And uh, to be open see something new in, in it on this day. So you're talking about observation, about getting the bigger picture, about having a soft focus, um, at looking at everything and also doing a comparison. The observation means how was yesterday, how is today? Uh, how were the conditions one hour ago? How are the conditions now? Is that what you are saying? When we're coming with, with good pilots in a com to an area and there are two, three locals, a really good local pilots, also good competition pilots. Competition pilots are coming and they are more open to see in this moment the situation. The, the old guy in this area think all the time, ah, oh, I know all the good uh, thermic spots, but we know that we have day by day a little bit different air, sometimes a little bit stronger wind, sometimes a wind from two or five degrees from the other side. And in this moment, it's the normal thermic spot so good, then the th lift 700 meters ago uh, away from this part. And uh, the, the good pilots, and uh, they doesn't know the area, they see all the time 
the situation in this moment. And uh, they understand this moment really good. And the old guy from this local uh, area, he's all the time thinking, oh, he know it better. And he's going to his, his spot. He realized, no, it's a bad idea to make my own thing in my own area. So what you were basically saying was sometimes the local pilots, uh, they think they're really good and you can arrive at a site and you can see the top looking local pilot and everyone wants to follow him. If you are thinking for yourself and observing and feeling and noticing, wow, I'm 100 meters away from where the main thermal should be, but I'm climbing better, then keep climbing better there. I think uh, that's kind right. of what you are trying to do. Yes, all the time. The, this moment is, is never like before. We have uh, one area, but we have day by day completely different situation. The situation and the situation are all the time uh, different. It's, uh, for for a good pilot or complete pilot, it's more visible, more understandable. And when you're more open, you realize that you you can do something different and it's sometimes a better better solution for you you fly exceptionally well Pepe. you have always the kind of hawking or the neveling as we call it in south africa where you are behind somebody and trying to always let that guy go no problem no problem and i have to say in competition tactics if you are watching two three guys who are just ahead of you and lower down there's a very, very good chance that you are going to be doing better than them later. Don't have to be the first guy rushing away. The other day, Russell Ogden was also telling me, uh, you know, I used to think, oh, yes, I go by myself forward and I attack, I attack. But it's not often the best solution. So today, of course, our competition flying has changed a lot. And many, many pilots have told me this in podcasts in the last days. They have changed a lot. Russell Achterberg said, where before we are spending half an hour in a, um, a gaggle uh, in a competition of three or four hours, now you are spending two and a half out of three hours in the gaggle all the way towards goal. So the dynamics of the competitions have changed a lot. Maybe nice mountain ridge like Porterville or mainly in the Alps. Uh, you can fly by your own really fast and you can fly uh, really from, 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 from the start to the, to the goal really in the first position and can race a lot by the mountain. That's a lot of times Kriegel is doing this also really nice. But uh, we have not all, all over the world this areas to do it. And in Macedonia maybe or in Brazil or Argentina, we have a lot of flatland flying. Then it's more important to fly more with your brain. You will see other people in the group for your own goal. Not all the time in the first leading position. It's it's good for leading points, but not uh, not sometimes not good to fly fast, because when you when you fly in the in the leading position, you you go for your own risk. Yeah? Sometimes you're coming low. The other make something different. They're coming higher, and then you're in a in a in a bad situation. They overtook you, and then you are behind. The, the, the first group is, when the group is, then they cannot really fly really fast. Um, when you have uh, seven, eight people, uh, good, good people in a second group, they can make a, a really better job. They can fly higher, they're they working together, they're found uh, not uh, three meters, they find the 3.8 meters, they're climbing faster. And then they make the, the, the valley crossing a little bit higher and coming in a better situation 
after the valley crossing, they're coming 300 meters higher and going exact in the in the stronger lift, and uh, you are coming lower by the by the mountain ridge, and uh, you are a little bit in the lee side. You found only 1.5, and then the second group is much higher than you in a good position, and then you lose maybe five or ten minutes to them, and you cannot not in the next 20 or 30 kilometers you can not coming close to them because they make in this situation a, a better job and it's so important that you fly high fly with your brain and use also the other for you for your own goal that you're flying high and flying more safe and that is uh, sometimes also when you're a good pilot it's not easy to do it alone better is to make it with the group use the group for your own goal to fly high and fast and mm-hmm. um, it's also more safe. Sometimes when you fly alone, you come in close to ground, and the risk is to, to, to ground it. I think with a group, it's more easy. Then they are faster, much faster, I think. A few, a few seasons ago, I was in the Dolomites and flew from into the Dolomites to Greifenburg, and I was making a tandem flight with a friend just to show him he didn't know too much about cross-country flying. When we were, of course, mostly alone all the way towards the Greifenburg uh, range, then you find 150 pilots within 30 kilometers, plain to him, look, here we're all alone. You have to kind of think and you have to look at the terrain yourself. But when you get to company, then you are a predator and you are feeding off that company like they are little fish and you are the big bloody bass that's about to chow them down. So what you can do is you can really pick off people and look very, very carefully where one guy is sinking relative to you climbing. You use that one way or another. Doesn't mean you always have to be turning. Obviously, Pepe and I are speed machines and we're racing each other in competition. But if you're just cross-country flying, you can also pick up an enormous amount of information from guys around you. You have to use the radar eyes. You have to be observing. Keep your blinkers wide, wide open and have a little look uh, to the left and the right of you and keep looking left and right. Yellow glider on the left is starting to climb. Blue glider on the right is starting to drop. You start to move towards that yellow glider and that happens automatically. Sometimes you don't even need to transition from your back risers onto your brakes, that kind of thing. Very often, our gliders are flying so very well if we don't even touch any input at all. We're just letting the thing fly on trim as best we can. And then a bit of bar, even thermaling in the, uh, on the speed bar. What are you saying to all of this? You want to add, you look like your brain is ticking very strongly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, when, when I fly, first 10 years of my life, uh, flying life, I was making only uh, cross-country flying by myself. And I fly a lot of times really fast, but that's that you need to learn. Um, my training in the beginning was I fly the first step to the next mountain, maybe the next four kilometers. And uh, I come low, I climbing, and then I flew back to the start place. And then, then I see, oh, it's possible to, to make it. And then I, I fly a little bit lower, and uh, makes the same distance, and I learn how to fly faster and faster. This four kilometers, and uh, then I go to the next mountain. When you flying this next six kilometers, safe. And when you fly this this next part, also a little bit faster than before, then I go to the next mountain. And so so I learn to to fly a little bit faster and faster this this way. Quite a lot of times I. I have a really open view and I see some birds and I see some some air, I see some dust is coming up. Stay open to, to see something in the nature, what 
it helps you a little bit to fly a little bit faster and to find a better lift. And I'm all the time really open to see some birds, some some uh, swifts or some some big vultures or some uh, in the Alps. Uh, you're never alone. There are some birds that help you, and um, also some sometimes you you can see the a wave is coming to the for into the up to the forest and uh, a wave of air uh, to come up and it helps you also the, the uh, what's the name um, the cloud formations maybe some convergence you can see from some clouds the air is coming up or some some conversion line i all the time looking to understand how how the wind is uh, moving into the into the valley how he need to go around a mountain the wind is uh, Going all the time in the same. When you see uh, water is coming into the river after a curve, the, mm -hmm. the 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 water is making all the time the same wave in this moment. After a stone, there is all the time some some lee side from the water, yeah. and this mm -hmm. situation is the same with the air. What in what we see in the valley, the air need to go this way, and before the air is going over the mountain. First, he's going. The air is going around. This you need to understand. So, in the first two three years, I have a really good teacher. He said to me, "Go to the to the river, and look what is the water doing." When you see the water and you understand what the water is doing, um, it helps you a lot to what the what the air is doing in in the Alps. And and we have also in 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 my flying area. In uh, Sauerland, I was uh, flying a lot of uh, th there. We have small mountains, and there it's sometimes more difficult than flying into the Alps because in the Alps is really the the, the lifts are the the air is going really seriously into the big mountain caves. The wind is going all the time in this direction. In my small mountains in Sauerland, the wind is doing sometimes crazy things. It's coming into the, the 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 valleys but a lot of times it's going over the small mountains and this creates sometimes nasty air and uh, because of that i learned something a little bit more crazy crazy air i want to understand this a little bit better and uh, we can understand this but you need to listen to nature that's really important It's always a pleasure to listen to you, Pepe. Your insights are very deep and it's a proper, proper observation. You're not uh, coming with some stupid story, which is great. I want to change the topic a little bit, if it's okay with you. I want to ask you, with all the traveling and all the flying you have been doing, where is your favorite one or two or three or five places in the world that you like to fly? You can just give me names. Or you can give some detail about the places. Oh, my, my, my first international comp was in Portugal. And I was after that first international comp a lot of times in Portugal. And I like flying there. It's a really, a, a really sunny place. It's sometimes it's rough, sometimes windy, but I love it. You have there, when you, when you make two weeks in South Africa, you have a lot of flying hours. But we have around the world a lot of good flying areas. I was some the last 10 years, I was a lot of times in Colombia, but also Brazil. We have really nice places. I'm, I'm open for flying in really a lot of uh, areas. And uh, yeah, as a good pilot, you need to learn flying in Portugal in, in strong lifts, uh, flying in Brazil in really, really weak 
areas. We have in Brazil a lot of days with a low cloud base, and it's really, um, really important to, to stay safe in the air that you are not really low. And uh, when we fly in, in Brazil 100 kilometers and with a low cloud base, only 800, 900 meters ground, to the, it's really not, not easy to do it. Then it's really important to find good line. A lot of people from Venezuela and, uh, and Spain give me a, a nickname. Malekiando, they called me sometimes. And uh, because of, uh, I found sometimes really good lines. And that's also un, uh, really important that you feel the air a little bit. My harness a little bit more high and a little bit more open, the, the, the I don't know, the, the belt. I make my, my whole uh, uh, harness a little bit more sensitive. And when I fly, I all the time uh, listening to my body. And when it's, I, I get a little imp impulse on the, on the right side, left side, I make a left turn to this uh, input for my harness. And most of the time, I find in this moment a little bit better line. It's, it's like the big birds in the, in the Alps. They have five feathers on the outside. And these five feathers are really sensitive, have a little bit more climbing air on the right side. It's, it's only a little bit. Then they make a little bit of turn on the right side, and then they find a little bit better, a better line. When you see the birds in Brazil or Argentina, they're never, never flying straight. They're flying some, some curves. They're flying a little bit uh, better uh, uh, core in the, in, in, the, in the lift. And uh, when you find two meter climbing at 2.2, then you have a, a little bit advantage about the other. And then you're faster on the, on, by the cloud base. And that's you saved your time. It's really important uh, that you in the competition that you fly a little bit faster than the other. You have an advantage. The better do you line, watch you, your instruments? Make it faster. Yeah, I, I fly uh, since a lot of years with a single alarm and with a th thermic sniffler. And uh, when I come in close to, to a lift and uh, find the air, it's uh, better than one meter per second uh, sinking, maybe 0 0.8, 0.7. Then for me, it's a sign the air is coming up. It's not strong enough to give you uh, a climbing, but it's strong enough to have better air and uh, less sink. And it, this is also sometimes important to make the valley crossing a little bit higher than the other. When you find a little bit better line and a little bit uh, better air, you're coming a little bit higher by the, by the valley crossing. And on the other side, you are direct in a better climbing. When you're coming lower, you find only 1.5. And when you're coming a little bit higher, you find 2.1, 2.2. And then you have the small advantage what you have by after valley crossing. Now it's a big advantage because you are first in the, in the better climbing air. From a small advantage, you make a bigger advantage. And that's, that's all the time what the good pilot's doing better than the other. Honorin Hammer. He's all the time uh, really good in climbing. He's all the time good in, in, in finding good, good lines. And it, it's, it's, it's all really important that you are a complete pilot in, 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 in different things, not only good uh, turning up, also really important to find good lines. And also when you realize oh, you are in 2.5 uh, 
but today is giving you 3.5, then only stay so long in this 2.5 that you're high enough to go to the next stronger lift and find 3.5. Yeah, then you save time. When you, when you climbed uh, in, in better air, it's higher in, in, in 90 seconds than when you climb in weak climbing. Yeah, you need more more time. When you make big distance or you fly in competition, you're flying against the watch all the time. It's You can only fly a big triangle or a big distance when you fly fly fast. It's not only in comps. It's also in, in flying in, in distance flying. You're flying against the watch. You have only eight hours to fly in a good good thermic. Then the guy is uh, winning the day. He's flying 300 k's in eight hours, and the next uh, guy flying only two, 260 kilometers. 260. Yeah. Now, Pepe, since 1989, you've been flying a lot of different gliders. I want to know which is your horror glider, which is the shittest glider you've ever flown or owned. The worst glider was before my competition flying. I make after five or six years. I get a prototype from Thomas Beil. He's not uh, anymore living, but I get a prototype and uh, I get it. And I want uh, to go. I go to my mountain and uh, make some some nice flying. And I see by the first flight, the first seconds, I I realize, bah, it's really a good good wing with a lot of performance. And I go out and uh, this. After four, five, six years flying, I was really a hot pilot. Uh, I make all the stupid things in the air. I make full stall and I make uh, some 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 big collapses and then whatever. I fly negative, and uh, I I take this prototype and I go up. Uh, was 800 meters above the mountain, and then I started out oh, to make big collapses. I make one riser and I pull it up really strong and. Uh, a really short moment. I was really in in a, in a big uh, collapse, and the glider was moving so fast, 360. And then he opened, and it, I get a, on the other side the collapse, and I said, "Wow, this glider is really fast in a in a, in a collapse." Yeah, and I make the next collapse. Yeah. And then the same story, the glider was moving 360 and it's open on uh, open really fast and uh, I get a collapse on the other. Terrible, really terrible. And then I make uh, on, the, on my left side the same. Before was a collapse right side two times and uh, then I make a big collapse on the left side. And the glider again makes the 360 and it's open on the other side and then I was not really fast enough to, to block, uh, to stop the... the, uh, the the big collapse on the other side and I get the collapse on the other side and in this moment I get a cravat and in this moment the glider was turning so so fast and I was twisted and I think oh now in a terrible <laughs> moment uh, uh, really close to the forest I think oh you make something too much <laughs> And I make a. I started to make a full stall, and but I realize I'm twisted, and I have no chance to recover the the glider. And in this moment, I I put my out my rescue, and it was a little bit snow, uh, and I come down really really nicely. My glider, my rescue was open, and uh, I I come down. I landed on my feet. 20 meters in front of me, there was sitting three old ladies, maybe <laughs> 70 to 80s, and I landed 
in front of the three old ladies, 20 meters, and the three old ladies clapped their hands, said, ah, oh, perfect landing. <laughs> With the rescue container coming 20 meters close to me, I think, oh, oh, all is perfect. I pack my stuff, go in top to the mountains, and make another flight with the same glider. <laughs> and uh, that's the story with this wing. And I realized not all gliders are really, really safe. After this, I was a little more defense to make all the stupid things with the wings in the first moment. First, uh, I fly the wing some hours, and then I started to make some collapses, <laughs> some big collapses. If I know you today, I don't think that you're the guy who would take the glider unknown and just try lots of collapses in the early 90s. That's a bad idea. But you were doing it, and that's cool. And that you landed and you made a show. You had a few schnapses with the old ladies. You took them home, showed them a <laughs> ah, fantastic. Ah, this was all okay with the old ladies and uh, the story. I'm safe. I landed on my feet, and it was a nice, nice thing. But it grounded me a little bit, and to say, ah, oh, the next time I fly a little bit more and longer with the wing, and then make some stupid things. You do lots of other really, really nice things. You are riding your bicycle. You are riding a motorcycle. You obviously love two wheels, like I do. You have a really good time. You always seem to be on holiday. You have a nice camper van, a nice big one of these. And it's really nice. Uh, Sabine is your partner. You met her with paragliding in 1989. You guys really love each other. Even in South Africa, you were phoning her a lot. What do you otherwise do in your life? You always seem to be very relaxed. You don't seem to be working very much. Do you have another thing that you do? Yeah, I was working really a lot when I have my flower business with my brother. I was When I'm home, I fly, uh, I'm working a lot, six days in a week. And uh, I have two less flying without the competition. Uh, I have a lot of competition the last 20 years, but also two less time flying private. And this one year, I, I stopped a little bit uh, this uh, flower business and um, I make also last year flying instructor. I also have my own business with, I also sell uh, ozone wings in the moment and I will also more going to to make some serious gift seminars and uh, also private coaching and uh, that's also my dream i fly since so long time i have so many ideas to 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 fly safe and to to learn flying and uh, to give it to the people and that's my the next years i want to to improve this to to give my knowledge to the people around the world this first seminar what we have last year in December in, in, in Portugal. That was so nice for myself because I see and I realize the three, four peoples in the seminar, how fast they grow in one week. Um, they yeah. they learn so much in, in only one week. And uh, that was really, really fantastic to see that you, you can give your knowledge to people and the people was listening and the people want to do this also by the uh, their own flying. And, and we have some people there, they learn so much. Yeah. We have one people, uh, one pilot in the group with a so bad ground handling. And we make day by day in the morning and uh, late in the afternoon ground handling with him. And after one week, all the people around realize. He's so much better than seven days before in ground handling. 
And a lot of people said, hey, come on, you learned so much in this week. When you realize this, what you can give the people, uh, that's fantastic to see it. And also one, one girl is coming from Switzerland with a no thermic flight. And, and uh, in portable is really difficult sometimes. Glider to, with to an A-glider and she yeah. was thermaling and flying yeah. so bloody well. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, yeah. And, and day by day, she learned something. Uh, she, she makes her first one-hour flight. She makes the first 15 kilometers. And after the next day, she makes 25 kilometers. And, and later, she makes 35 kilometers. And she started with no thermic flight. And it was so nice to see day by day, uh, day by day, the improvement from, from the pilots. And that's fantastic to see. And I want to do it a lot of times more in my life to give some knowledge to the people. Pepe, I think we can finish it here. It's been really, really nice to chat with you. It's been super, super cool. Please say hi to Sabina and everybody back in home in Münster. Inshallah, that we will fly again this year, that we will have some kind of competition. Let's hope for the best. Are there any last words you'd like to say before I say bye-bye? I hope that we have Corona in the fast moment behind you uh, ourselves and we can fly a lot in uh, and we can traveling also that's for me also important in the moment we mm -hmm. cannot traveling to, to Italy to France to, to no country around and for me it's uh, the most thing we need a little bit more freedom and we need a little bit more people closer to you closer to us um, I think um, I'm not the pilot to stay all the time on too much distance to the people. It's, it's not so nice, I think. It's coming to a normal way of life, I think. That's really important. 